Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So season one ends and, you know, like idiots, we all thought it would season two would pick up where season one ended. And then here come these dock workers, and no one has any idea what's going on, including us. Uh, you know, um, I think David, of course, knew, but we were all scratching our heads, wondering if we even have a, a place in in the new world. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was quite confusing. Um, and then I was just I, I ended up being delighted with season two. I thought that was a, a, a really uh, a really great plot. And but I was, of course, very glad that the Barksdales and I were still around. Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And we are the hosts of The Wire Stripped. It's the show where we watch HBO's The Wire week in, week out. And you don't just hear from us. You hear from other amazing voices from the cast, voices from the crew, and your voices too. Yes, uh, today we're going to be watching Season 2, Episode 9. It's called Stray Rounds, for a very particular reason. Yeah, there's... I mean, you find out quite quickly. This this cold open is dark. If you have anything to say about this episode or anything else to do with The Wire, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you at The Wire Stripped on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also you can give us an email, burner at thewirestripped.com. Yeah, do get in touch. We love talking to all of you. Um, So without much more of this ado, here's our (laughs) chat about yeah i'm just changing up that expression um here's our chat about stray rounds which we recorded as always uh on the streets of london actually we were at we were at a pub this time it was a nice pub in the summer so it's uh it was very warm and the beer was the beer was lovely back in the summer yeah remember that (laughs) let's not talk about the weather there's enough to talk about here if we start talking about the weather here's ours here's us on stray rounds he got the fire and the fury at his command. Well, you don't have to worry when you hold on to Jesus' hand. We'll all be safe from Satan when the thunder rolls. You gotta keep the devil wet down in the hole. Right, here we are, it's Dave and Kobe again. Howdy. And we have watched Season 2, Episode 9. It's called Stray Rounds. Yeah. We're recording to you, not so live, from outside uh, what we can only presume is a brothel. Yep. But we don't actually know where any brothels are. I prefer the term cat house. So Fair enough, yeah. <laughs> it's a cat house. Oh, we should have gone to a vet's or something. <laughs> <laughs> a house full of cats. All right, fine, you got us. We're outside a pub. Yep. Okay. Yep. We're recording outside a pub. But it may, it could, for all we know... It could be a cat house. It's it got rooms. It's got rooms. They, yeah, there's, there could be all, all number of illicit affairs going on in those rooms. You could have uh, McNulty, people doing fake British accents <laughs> up there. We are in Britain, so that probably wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't pass muster. Um, this, was a, this is a good episode. Mm. A lot happened here. So um, we're going to, as always, split it into separate storylines. 
first storyline. Let's check in with the the gang down in the Sabotka detail. Yeah. After uh, the last episode where Frank uh, was suspicious and sent a clean container through, uh, things are starting to look a little quiet. They're taking uh, the Greek and crew are taking things easy, and I think the uh, the detail are starting to notice that. Uh, that things have been switched up. They're not getting as much through. Uh, but meanwhile, what they can pursue is McNulty infiltrating the brothel with his terrible British accent. Yeah, that scene where they're sitting around the table. This is Hannah from the Standard Issue podcast. Deciding who's going to go to that is really, really funny because um, there's that scene in which that they decide that Carver's too attractive and uh, everyone else gets the ump about it. <laughs> It brings us to, I think that's another thing about series two, it's, uh, particularly the episode we watched in this one. It's really, really funny. It's got some proper, really funny moments. And yeah, McNulty in that brothel is definitely one of them. So we were at lunch one day and he began talking about, I don't know how the conversation got that way, but he began talking about where he lived in New York and he thought there was a ghost in his apartment. Here's Al Brown, who played Valchek, talking about Dominic West, who played McNulty. He's talking about it at the lunch table. And I'm I'm just eating. I, I don't know no ghosts. And I'm just eating. So eventually he stopped his he stopped his conversation and he grabbed his tray and, and he headed up to, you know, dump off the dirty dishes, right? Yeah. But while he was talking, he had and I, I knew the role he played in The Wire. He had, obviously, an English accent. I mean, in his conversation. So I turned to the guy next to me, and I said, what the hell do you think he was doing when he told his story? What is he doing, auditioning for a Shakespearean role? And he's trying to practice his fucking English accent? And I thought the guy was going to lose all the spaghetti he had on his plate. Okay, right. And I didn't know that he was from England. I didn't know it. He certainly wasn't talking without an English accent at lunch. So that meant he could turn it on and off whenever he wanted to, right? Yeah. Always struck me as kind of neat in that 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 he could uh I don't know, that he could that he could do that, turn it on and off. He was complaining about living somewhere in New York where he thought some ghost lived in the house or something like that. I don't know. So at this point, did you know that Dominic West was British? I'll be honest. The first time I watched this, I did not. Yeah. No, I, I had no idea. So it makes it kind of interesting that he's a, a British actor playing American, putting on a fake British accent. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and deliberately having yeah. up the accent. Absolutely. he has to. Yeah. But did you say what, what at some point? I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> that might be in your in your memory, but I hope I hope he does. And if he did, then our magic producer Tom is going to insert it right now. <laughs> uh, we also get uh, oh well, well let's talk about McNulty and, and the and the brothel. Well, yeah, uh, this is classic McNulty it shenanigans, is. isn't it? This is this is one of the stories that, as you think about the wire and McNulty, this is one of the things that comes to mind. Well, I should say, in the previous episode, he tried to call up the cat house, but they were like, dude, you sound like a cop. Are you a cop? He's like, no, <laughs> I'm not a cop. I'm not a quap. Um, and they go, well, no sex for you tonight. I just want to pay for some sex yeah. is all. 
And yeah, Leicester goes, we need, can you pretend you're from out of town? He pretends he's British because he is British. And yeah, that that's, they don't, they don't figure his ruse. And they, the setup for this is quite, it's, it's elaborate because they get this ridiculous kind of man pouch thing, which is what all the Europeans carry, apparently. Yeah. You're a European, I'm a European. All of Europe. Yeah, (laughs) all European males. We were all doing it back in 2002, (laughs) do you not remember? (laughs) What was that? Oh, man, the the man pouch. I've never seen that thing before in my life. I mean, that's that's it. I've got a a leather satchel next to me now. That's a leather satchel. A million miles away from me. That's gone back. Tom Brown's school days, you had leather satchels. I've never once seen, outside of The Wire, in this episode... The, the, that brown man pouch thing you're right you're right it was about a quarter of the size of this satchel yeah. I have next to me it was definitely a purse <laughs> um, tell us about what happens when it gets in there because that's this yeah this is what we're alluding to well he's got his call signal uh, which he eventually that's, uses but yeah. sort of classic McNulty he sort of uh, I, I don't know was he stalling or was he just yeah, kind spot of spot on is his call signal spot isn't on <laughs> was it very good. Spot on. It means exactly. And remember, they have to bring up the money and the sex first, then an overt attempt to engage. Spot on. But uh, the, everybody, sort of, the, the, the rest of the gang infiltrate the place at... Uh, <laughs> it's, very, it's very well shot, this, this, this whole thing. They b- burst in on the room with McNulty, and he's sort of, I don't know... In flagrante. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say mid-coitus. Yeah. But either way, it makes us sound very, Fucking. very fancy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's the tone lowered. He's having sex with two <laughs> two prostitutes and no one... He's compromised. Yeah. No one, um, no one even bats an eyelid, really, do they? They're just like, oh, McNulty. Oh, McNulty. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this is a scene from the sitcom that I pitched. Uh, in in season one, between uh, where McNulty and Rawls are roommates. Sure. Yeah, I feel like this is a sort of a this one is classic this sitcom scenario that McNulty's got himself in. Oh, McNulty! Yeah. Who is it? Baltimore police. What do you want? Lock your ass up. Oh. 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 You're late. Here's our chat with Deirdre Lovejoy, who played Rhonda Perlman. Uh, Apologies for the audio quality on this one. It's not the best, but her story is so good. We did want to include it. Um, Yes, of course, it's awkward. I mean, there's no way around two people who don't know each other or even the dude of each other pretending to have uh, sex with, you know, pasties on various parts of their bodies in a tiny room and people are screaming at them with a camera in their face. It's odd. It is uncomfortable by very definition. You know, you do that on a close set. You try to have fun. Uh, in in my case, it always was fun. I mean, I didn't have to do it often, but when I did, it was always with Dominic, who's, you know, just a lovely, ridiculously naughty man. My first real day of work on the show was the day that Dominic and I were filming the um the scene where he where Jimmy comes to Rhonda's house and they wind up having sex and, and she you know tosses him out, which is the beginning of their whole story. Um, you know, and he m- my main memory of of uh, 
getting to know Dominic is having him, you know, fairly much buck naked on top of me and saying, oh, I was on top of Renee Zellweger last week. I didn't quite know how to respond to that except, uh, oh, how, how, how nice. And we dove into the scene from there. We were shooting the first uh, episode, and I, I had a house that was established. We had a, a house that was established as Wanda's house. We were filming upstairs. The family uh, was still in the house. We were shooting downstairs. They were upstairs in the fourth floor, and I did hear lots of crazy uh, sex sounds and a Hungarian screaming at the top of his voice, climax now. And um, uh, we were never allowed back in that house again. They thought we were doing porn, and that's not on coincidentally why Rhonda winds up living in Federal Hill in later seasons. <laughs> she kicked out of that neighborhood. But I find it hilarious. I mean, they really did. They legitimately thought we were shooting porn. So McNulty decides, because things are quiet, um, they decide to try and tap the FBI uh, because maybe they got some information on uh Double G potentially. So he uh, McNulty hits up his old friend Fitz, uh, who they're kind of on funny terms after the last season, mm-hmm. and uh, where he basically walked out and called them all pricks. Uh, but you know, bridge uh, water water under the bridge, and uh, Fitz decides to help him out, and he finds out that the case has been sealed, the case on on uh, Glicus, uh by somebody called Agent Kutris. Mm. So we get him on the phone, and Agent Kutris sort of. Acts all, acts all fobbed, shady. Fobs him off, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, nothing to worry about. Uh, and then, uh, and then, turns out he's on the payroll of uh, Spiros and the Greeks. So he, yeah. he rings them up and gives gives them the tip off that they are onto them. Yeah, yeah. So storyline two, we have uh, Nick go back to the Greeks, and Spiros puts him in touch with White Mike to do business. Um, and they're old school friends, it turns out. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they, they knew each other from back in the yeah, day. Yeah, they knew each other from back in the day. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> it's like a school reunion. Yeah. And Spiros, just to keep on keep the kind of flow of containers going, says, here's some clean containers. You guys can do your shady shit and make sure these are the clean ones. So if the police stop them, they just they don't realize what's going on. And we see um, yeah, the Greek having dinner with Vondas and Eton. And the and the madam from the cat house having a having a bit of banter about what's kind of going on here. They they sense something's going on, but they can't, can't quite work it out. But now they have Kutris back in. Now they have the Kutris uh, backing them up. Basically, they feel they've got some kind of protection. Um, I thought that was an interesting scene. Seeing like the there, it's like the puppet masters all mm. at the table, really, wasn't it? And the uh, this is where the epigraph came from. The world is a smaller place now. The Greek. The Greek says that. Which I feel like it's quite it's quite a prescient thing to say. I think he was, you know, de- deliberately referring to technology and texting. I think texting is a big part of this uh, this season. Yeah, this season. This is really about uh, we're we're starting to see at the same time on the docks. Frank Sabatka goes to that presentation about you know the robots working the docks, and Frank Sabatka calls that a nightmare. He saw a horror movie. Here's Bailey from the Rewired podcast, also all about the um, wire. Where they were, you know, they're saying, well, this is lowering workplace injury and it's safer for the stevedores. And he makes the point, well, you can't get hurt if you're not working, right? At the same time, Stringer is struggling in the towers and with the drug market because he's lost his good supply chain. 
Um, Prop Joe is working hard at trying to set up this co-op sharing of the real estate. And Stringer, being the businessman, can see the, the reasonableness of this. But also, you know, then there's Avon in jail, who I think in many ways is like actually Frank Sabatka in that, whereas Frank Sabatka is a stevedore through and through, Avon Barksdale is a gangster through and through. And he just wants, he wants to be a gangster for the sake of being a gangster because he feels the pride in that. Um, and But in both of those industries, they're, the industry itself is failing them and they're not able to keep up. So the next storyline is the, uh, well, it's the, the it's, a big part of this episode is the shootout and I think the mm. cold open uh, uh, led with this yeah it's the uh, it's the crew that Bodie and his guys uh, moved out of their corner in the last episode they've come back mm-hmm. they're fully loaded and there's a, a massive shootout and we see this whole thing from the point of view of uh, a local resident uh, mother of two yeah uh, in her apartment and it's really really tragic the how, how all this plays out i thought yeah so kids are just getting ready she's getting the kids ready for school and says to the oldest kid go upstairs and get your clothes together a shootout starts and she just says get down basically and what i find tragic i mean obviously the heinous thing happens in 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 the fact that he gets shot with a straight round which is the name of this of this episode and killed but it seems like this is like they've done this. They've done this time and time before. Yeah. Um, get down. Stay away from the windows. Wait until shops until the shops stop, and then we'll get on with our lives again. But this time they they didn't get on with their lives again. Exactly. It's yeah. a, it was. It's like a fire drill for her. Yeah. The way she's going about it. Um, yeah. She went straight to the bathroom. Very very sad. Yeah. Uh, but this obviously this accelerates things in the police force because you can have. Soldiers killing soldiers. You can have people in the game kill, killing people in the game. But once you kill a nine-year-old, then that is cause for shit to go down. And this brings out Rawls. It brings out Norris. And it brings out Buddy Colvin. Yes. And, uh, and, and Dennis Mello. Major Howard Bunny Colvin. So yeah. um, for anyone, if this is anyone's first uh, run-through of The Wire, we won't give away anything but uh watch out for this guy because yeah. he's a he's an important character because he's excellent and, and he is brilliant and yeah. the chap next to him dennis mello uh, is his sidekick and dennis mello is played by the real life jay landsman oh there you go i didn't know that do you not know that no. there you go so it's great first appearance for them and you know commanding the scene and understanding what's going on already I thought this was really interesting. So you get this, uh, the, the dynamic between Rawls and Colvin here. Uh, you know, Rawls has that uh, quite a powerful line. It used to be when a nine-year-old kid hit the pavement, a district commander would be there within minutes. I guess we're living in a brave new world. I was in Washington with Burrell when I heard. Which is a real dig at him straight away. You know, and Bunny explains that Burrell had taken him to D.C. with other district commanders to attend a seminar. You get so much in those two... Uh, sentences basically you get that Rawls is dissatisfied with how the upper brass are running things and you get and so is Colvin Mm. Uh, Colvin's not happy that he was not around and that he was having to uh, grease some wheels up at uh, some seminar but it shows it shows what the how the upper brass are treating the police force and how they're using their resource Uh, so it shows us that 
tells us a lot about Bunny. He's somebody who's not happy playing Burrell's politics game. No. And he's somebody who, as we see in the course of this episode, questions things. Yeah. And he questions... Why are we doing things? Why are we doing things? Mm. Exactly. Because they... Rawls tells them to go and take all the drug dealers they can while yeah. they while they look at the homicide Yeah, they go around there. and knock heads, don't they? And he's just like, this is... What's going on? What's the point? What are we achieving here? And you get a sort of a... It could be read as defeatism, but I think it's it's something more. It's the seeds to a very interesting storyline for, for Bunny Colvin. Yeah. Um, a good point as well is... So, String... <laughs> obviously, String is pissed off that this kid's got shot. And he's rightly said, look, the police have to act up. They have to. And I'm quite surprised at this point that this could be anyone who's involved in that shootout. I would, would not have been surprised if Stringer said, well, I'm just going to kill you now. I'm going to make you I'm going <laughs> to make you think he would have done it? Well, he would have. Yeah. I don't know why. Business decision. Business decision yeah. or just kick them out of the gang. I don't. I think it would have been well within his rights to say, I don't want anything to do with you because you have properly fucked up. I didn't ask you to take the corner. Yeah. And then you've caused this bullshit and with a kid involved. And I was going to just come back on, on us, limit how much we can make money. So get the get out. But he's probably playing damage control. He's probably knowing Stringer. He's like, if he, if he kicks these guys out, yeah. they'll, be- or they'll become even more dangerous. Yeah. And if he kills them, then he's going to lose the loyalty of his other guys. Sure. And also, I'm not sure, sure. if Stringer has the the teeth for that kind of move either I mean we know that we know that he can get people killed if he has to but it tends to be a last resort for him I think yeah that's a fair point that's a fair point but he's definitely not happy with Bodhi no but and he kind of gives Bodhi a bit of a lesson here he tells him you need to have more flexibility and you need more intelligence and you need to think about things and he's giving him the kind of opposite lesson to what Avon would give him I think I feel like Avon would have rewarded this if Avon was there rewarded Bodhi yeah oh, I think what you mean, as, in, as in like you've tried you at least tried yes fair play to you okay I think I think or, or, or I think Avon would be planning the next move in retaliation right to that because that's how Avon plays Avon plays for 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 territory and he fights for space yeah. and he fights for control where a stringer fights for the dollar but String tells him to get rid of the, of the guns, which they tried to do. <laughs> they just got really unlucky, didn't they? They did do. Yeah, so they throw it over the side of a bridge and a boat happens to be passing. <laughs> but you think, I mean, I kind of think, why why not just walk up to the bridge? and be Yeah, like, yeah, of course. Whoo. Just look over. Whoop. Nothing's there. That's, uh, the no, that's the sound effect of a, of a bag going over a bridge. What? Whoop. Whoop. Uh, can you explain to me, or can any listeners explain to me why... Why they get rid of the guns in such way? Because obviously the plan was to get it, for it to go into the river. Are the chances of it being of them being found just so infinitesimal if they go into the river that they, that's the best option? Because I would have thought, I don't know, a hold on to them and do something more befitting of how to get you know melt them smelt them down or do something, or is it just? I guess it's access. They don't have access to yeah. Okay, that kind of. It's probably just a quick win, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. So get in touch, drug dealers. Yeah. <laughs> so I always just feel that there's they could like dredge the the river and find these guns and and pin them on. Well, Frank's obsessed with dredging the he canals, isn't he? That's what he wants. Imagine all the guns he's going to find. Uh, but yeah, of course, it lands on a boat and the police bring him in, bring Bodie in, bring the guns in, and uh, yeah, another interrogation scene with Bodie. 
uh, this time with with Norris and Cole and this is a great scene yeah this is this is I love when they showcase Bodhi's intelligence <laughs> like he's such a smart guy for anyone who doesn't remember Bo, uh, the police tell Bodhi you know classic police bluff which we've seen in so many crime shows we've got you we've got your fingerprints we've got the weapons we've got everything we want confess and he's like <laughs> so they've got six guns in front of him and he's like which one is mine? <laughs> and they can't tell him. <laughs> I think they do, to be fair. I think Norris picks one. Yeah. And then Bodhi just kind of leans back and you know it's over. Lawyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Lawyer. My last message was definitely a bit too long so in under a minute all I can say is I have just watched the scene where McNulty is absolutely off his rocker just you know saying he's getting a cab then we hear him driving down the road noisily and smashing his car and not once but twice then banging a waitress and you just think what a hero and also what an absolute joke of a man bless him He's an absolutely brilliant character, played even more brilliantly by Dominic West, who I don't think gets enough credit, really. He's so consistently good, you sort of take him for granted, but he has so much energy when he's on screen. So, McNulty, slancher. Thanks very much for that message. If you want to hear your voice on our show, leave us a burner message. Kobe, tell the nice people how they can do it. The nice people, all the nice people... You can leave a message on our burner phone by leaving a WhatsApp voice memo or WhatsApp voice memo, which is completely free. Go to WhatsApp and leave us a message, um, plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. I'm trying to make a, a jingle there myself as I as I read it out. Yeah, you got uh, plus, a bit, little bit lyrical there. Yeah, it was a bit. Let's try it again. Plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. Now um, I feel like we're working at a call center. <laughs> Hello, you're through to the wire stripped. How may I direct your call? I used to work at a call um, center. And yeah, oh, well, so, then you got the skills, man. We yeah, gotta set well, this up. That's it. And also, if you otherwise, if it's if you can't use if you can't use WhatsApp or the ma- WhatsApp magic, then leave us a record us a message on your favorite voice memo app, and then send it to burner at thewirestrip.com, which a fair few of you guys have been doing because, to be honest, it's easier. <laughs> and this week, we want to know what is your favorite season of The Wire. Yes, uh, and be. Be careful not to go into too many spoilers here because some people are watching for the first time. Yeah, keep it short. No spoilers. So the next day, next point to talk about is, yeah, East-West. The guys getting together because the West Side has a, has the real estate. East Side has the drugs connect. Let's get together. Let's make more money, which is fine if you're stringing Prop Joe because they like making money and they don't like the people dying unnecessarily. Um, even more than that, they like making more money, which is great. I love Prop Joe. I love Stringer Bell. Uh, if the world was made of Prop Joes and Stringer Bells, <laughs> then the drug trade would just go so smoothly, wouldn't it? It would do. No one would have to die. But String kind of runs the, runs the deal via Brianna, just to kind of say, hey, we're going to do this in because we're going to make more money. Brianna's, still, Brianna's got the heart of, uh, of, the, of a Barksdale and still runs it by... By Avon, and the point here is that Stringer saying we need to join with these guys because we don't have the muscle to fight. We don't have Weebay, we don't have Stinkum, we don't have Little Man, we don't have 
our crew behind us so we need to cooperate so everyone rises together which makes sense in a socialist world so he's an, an economist and a socialist <laughs> uh, and uh, so Brianna speaks to Avon and Avon comes back and says I've got a guy he's called Brother Muzone he'll be there at the end of this episode do you and, think it's weird that we don't see Avon in this episode that we uh, hear all this third hand through through Brianna, through Brianna. Um, not so weird but I wonder was that scheduling conflicts or something or? it might have just been it probably didn't wouldn't have added anything to the episode maybe so yeah, Brother Muzone comes from, from from New York. I think Brother Muzone is just fascinating. And as you say, we, we only see him for a handful of episodes over the course of the show. Um, but he, I think, in the, the audience has left a pretty indelible mark. Here's Kelly, also from the Rewired podcast. And uh, just, I, I love the contrast between him and Omar, uh, both in their manner of speaking, their manner of dress, um, really kind of fascinating juxtaposition between the two. And I think what's really interesting about Brother Muzone is that the the show sets him up before we meet him as like the ultimate hitman. And there is something a little bit chilling in the way that he is so just um, – not monotone, but yeah, calm and uh, very methodical in his manner of speaking. And um, it's it's hard to get a, re- a read, I guess, on Brother Muzone's character. And that's one of the kind of unsettling things about him. Okay, so the last storyline, let's check in back at the docks. Uh, and we, we don't get a lot of the docks in this episode, but uh, we get a little bit of Ziggy. So uh, there's a scene where he... Uh, comes out of the pub and Nick sees him and he tries to fight him. He's really angry and we find out that he's angry because his his pet duck has, has died. It died of alcohol poisoning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know how many shots a, a duck can take, but I can maybe take three before <laughs> I'm on my back. And that duck was going for it. <laughs> yeah, that duck had a lot more than three. Yeah, that duck was more hardcore than both of us combined, for sure. <laughs> Although we have had an Irish breakfast, so we know we know what we can do as stevedores. Yes, although that was we were pretty much done for the day after that. <laughs> the day was a write-off. What does it mean to have one's wings clipped? This is podcaster Joe Kiley from Scheitgeist. It's for something external to come in and to deprive you of what makes you, you. And in Ziggy's case and in the Doc's case, that's uh, an uncaring, unfeeling system which has come in and deprived them of any class mobility. Consider a flightless duck among a load of pigeons. It's no wonder Ziggy connects with this misfit. This also gives us the first moment of genuine tenderness and caring from Ziggy, uh, caring which is notably absent from, uh, from his father Frank. We never see Ziggy at home through the entire series. We never see the inside of his house, we never see a stable living situation for him, Frank has his office, and Nick's situation, though not ideal, at least is a stable home life. Whereas Ziggy, he just floats around the docks. He's got no, he, he's got no coop. When he does take this duck under his wing, I think Ziggy's lack of a home life dooms him to being an even worse caregiver than his own parents were. And of course, being such a tragic figure... Ziggy dooms everything and everyone he comes in contact with. So 
the fate of the duck should come as no surprise. There's a lot of good names, Fuzzy Dunlop. My favorite, and we were talking about this earlier, is the name of Ziggy's duck, Stephen L. Miles. This is podcaster Andrew Johnston. Which my brother had to remind me is was was a lawyer in the 80s and 90s who is uh, what we call in America an ambulance chaser, which is if you get injured in some way, shape, or form, you call this lawyer and they'll figure out how to sue someone or at least get them to settle out of court, usually get them settled out of court. And he had just ridiculous commercials with like weird pop songs that they put together about Stephen O'Miles. Then he joined Science and Kurtz and it was this like scary headlights coming at you on a dark highway commercials. A local legend. It's the deepest cut the wire has for local history. But if you happen to have someone arrested and they've called Stephen L. Miles, you just know it's going to be a shit show because this guy is going to, he's going to, it's going to look a lot like Better Call Saul. If any, if you've watched Better Call Saul or you know uh, Breaking Bad, that is Stephen L. Miles in a lot of ways. He's Or Lionel Hutz if you want to get into a bit of a parody of a Stephen L. Miles character. He's going to, harangue the cops and claim like oh my client needs x y and z and it's just gonna cause these troubles and then when it gets to the court the judge is gonna be like oh my god it's Stephen o miles like, i saw your commercial at 2 a.m last night while i was filling out affidavits for this bullshit but mostly yeah he's just gonna if it doesn't get settled out of court it just becomes a circus and everyone everyone in, in maryland science kirk and miles everyone in maryland will tell you, of a certain age. I'm sure if you're young, you probably don't remember that, uh, yeah, if you got a phone, you've got a lawyer. <laughs> that was the tagline. <laughs> Science Kirk and Miles. Bailey and I, in one of our podcast episodes, discussed Ziggy as the archetypal fool character. And I think in the scene in the bar with the duck, he really is exemplifying that because he's almost putting on a, a bit of a performance you know, and trying to be very funny. And it is funny in a lot of ways. Um, but as much as he might think that he is getting the respect or the friendship of the people around him, he's actually just this object of entertainment for all the other patrons of the bar, which is what he's been all along. And especially in that scene where they egg him on to, to tackle Maui and then he ends up on top of the the shipping container. So I think he he's um acting that way because he that's as close as he can get to some kind of positive relationship with his um you know fellow stevedores. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Bailey, I think it also is like his over and over again we're told he's sort of seeking this belonging. He's always trying to be part of the crowd, but as of the archetypal fool you know, a court jester was hired to be the entertainment. And when Ziggy's duck dies, which, as you said, they are sort of complicit in, um, he's failing at his job as the entertainer. And so he's ousted again. He's never actually part of the group. He's only there as part of, you know, their entertainment or whatever. We also we also see uh, Ziggy meeting uh, Double G, uh, George Glicus, uh, and he offers to sell him stolen cars from the docks yep. to sell abroad. Uh, more of that in the next episode. Absolutely. One thing one thing I really liked, I think this uh, this episode was really nicely directed by uh, Tim Van Patten, is mm. his name, and there's a lot of lovely shots in here, There's and there's one in 
particular when um, uh, Agent Coltis is talking to the Greek. Right. And they they meet. They sit on the bench. Yes. Yeah. It's really nicely shot. The car, go, the car goes past, and the, that, that's the jump cut to be to uh, move closer to them. Exactly. Yeah. And it's there's no dialogue. It's you just see them having an exchange, and you don't hear any of it. And it's very, it's it's framed with lovely symmetry. I thought it was a, re- a really nice touch. I think that Tim Van Patten is a great jobbing director. I think he's done a few like episodes of Sopranos as well. We'll check out and put this in the show notes. But I think he's he's kind of well known for these um, these kind of these kind of episodes and his 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 flair. So the funny thing about the Greeks is they're ambiguous the whole time. They show no emotion. They reveal nothing. We never quite sure what they're doing we know they're doing illegal things we know they're sex trafficking right where there's a little human trafficking action we get that yeah they're involved in drugs we, we learn this connection to prop joe but they also seem to just have their fingers in like everything they got an fbi agent on the payroll all right so i have another submission for an alternative epigraph for this episode um this one was a great line. It's from Sergei, and it goes like this. Did he have hands? Did he have a face? Then it wasn't us. <laughs> Do you like my accent? I did. I don't know where it came from, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all our Eastern European <laughs> listeners. I tried. It, uh, don't talk on the wire, though. Don't talk on the wire. Yes, I know. You'd think Sergei would know better. Yeah. Well, we're not going to say why, but don't talk on the why, because that's... Because it's the name of the show. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's it for this episode, Stray Rounds. Next week, we'll be coming back with Storm Warnings. Yes, a big thank you, as always, to all the voices you heard in this episode for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, and to Sonics, our legendary app type transcriber people who transcribe all the interviews uh, if you want to get some transcription time with them 100 free minutes go to sonix that's s-o-n-i-x dot a-i forward slash invite forward slash stripped to get 100 free minutes thanks to chris sutera who does our season two graphics and izzy lawrence who does our website graphics Yep, to mine and sam from the song by song podcast for the tune their version of way down in the hole which is playing right now thanks as always to our lovely uh, producer tom wally who makes this uh, lyrical audio silk that's uh, flowing into your ears right now lyrical audio silk oh <laughs> yeah i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> if uh, as we said at the top of the show if you do want to get in touch with us please do um we are at the wire stripped on twitter at the wire stripped on facebook and at the wire stripped on instagram do you see what i did there it's the same it's the same it's the same. It's the name of our show. Come on, yes, guys. You can figure exactly. it out. Um, if you can leave us WhatsApp voice memos, then you can definitely use Twitter. Yeah. Um, subscribe to us, please, if you don't mind. If you're, if this is your first time listening to us, um, we would love if you hit the subscription button. And while you're there, uh, give us a little, little rating or yeah, a, a little review. A cheeky five-star review. Yeah, just a little, little nice one. Uh, helps us get found. Helps, uh, helps us find more Wire fans. Helps to get the word out there because we've got That's a lovely little thing going. Nice community. We're having great fun. Let's get let's let's tell let's tell everyone, guys. I'm going to stop talking now. Kobe. Yeah. That's all we want to do is left? meet more more wire fans. That's why we started this. We want to meet people who love the wire, and that's you guys. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
I feel like I feel like through the course of these links, we're slowly losing our minds. 